Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. This is Alan Bishop, head alchemist at Spirits of French Lick. Be on the lookout for a brand new bottled and bond Solomon Scott rye whiskey. Made from a mash composed of 65% rye, 35% corn, and 5% victory malt. This five-year-old 100-proof rye whiskey is a throwback to early 1800s-style rye whiskeys of the Ohio Valley. Named after the legendary Daisy Spring Mill distillery owner, turned moonshiner Solomon Scott of Paoli, Indiana. Remember, drink responsibly and never drink and drive. Kentucky Bourbon Festival. The Scotchy yes. Bourbon Boys are back here, but we have uh, ourselves. We got Super, Super Nash, Nash. We got whiskey. We got Roxy, myself, Tiny, and we got a very special guest that Roxy's going to introduce. No, oh, I, I thought I was introducing the old Americana band. Oh. <laughs> okay, so thanks. Yes, this is Kenny Coleman. But we want to thank United. Yes. Yes, we yeah, have to be more specific now. on that, dear. Okay. Um, but our our intro is the um, Luca Mariano's old Americana band featuring Kenny Fuller, and this is Kenny. Coleman. It's just too many kids. <laughs> so when you said introduce Kenny, I okay. You know. Well, yeah, that, that, that Kenny seems a lot more talented than me. So. <laughs> well, well, you you well, always well, said you 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 like um, self fulfilling prophecy. Said we were going to screw it up. So therefore, we screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but for once, I didn't screw it up. <laughs> but also, let's let's get a brand out here. Bourbon Pursuit United. So yeah, yeah, we've got, of course, everybody kind of knows Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast, and then back in 2018 is when we launched our own spirits company for Pursuit Spirits, and then from there, we've kind of grown, we've got a few different brands, but yes, Pursuit United is sort of the, the brand we're building and growing and kind of getting out here, and that's why we're at the show today, to you know, all weekend, to kind of really help promote that and talk about it and get people to really try it. All right. Yeah. Is that going very well for you this Yeah, this I mean, this is this has been great. It's great. just good exposure for us, especially, you know, knowing that we have a we have a pretty large already podcast audience that's out there. And so a lot of people come here, and they know exactly who we are, but they've never tried our whiskey before. 
And that's great because we can get those people that are really the bourbon enthusiasts, but we've also got to find the people that haven't heard of it before, the people that don't listen to podcasts. I mean, <laughs> it's, we all know that podcasting is a pretty big niche. And yeah. so to make sure you find people that A, you like whiskey, B, you like bourbon, and you have to like podcasts, like that's a really hard niche to kind of fit in. So we've got to be get pretty narrow. Yeah, yeah. So we've got to yeah. got to grow beyond that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, but the niche that podcasting is is really good for starting a bourbon brand. <laughs> I, I would say we got lucky. There was somebody that came over to me the other day. It's, it's you know they got they got plenty of brands around here, and they go, "What you're doing is very unique. The fact that." you built an audience before you built the brand because usually people have to go and build the brand and then build the audience. So yeah. we had a we had a very unique aspect of being able to do that and be able to come out to market relatively quickly and have some early successes. Well, yeah, that I, I exactly what you said. That's how, uh, I mean, when I first started podcasting, which was in 2019, so we've only been doing this for a little bit, and we, but you had already been the podcast I mean it was just like so so I always uh, when I, I when I work out on the elliptical I'm just always watching other people's podcasts that's like so, once a month yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no he was talking about other. it I mean but, but I mean even you've got bourbon pursuit but you have the bourbon round table which yeah. really brings in a lot of people who have whiskey groups and that are in the industry I mean when you're talking about uh, who's on there I mean they're the who's who if you're on the internet and you're either buying from you know whiskey off the internet as far as legally from a from a liquor yeah. store, or the the you know um, what is it? Uh, see once again we got. I mean, there's guys from Breaking, the Breaking, Breaking. Uh, Fred's on it usually and stuff like that. You know, and thank you for the the compliment. It was one of those things that maybe it's just a, a first mover kind of thing. Really, we always look at Whiskey Cast was kind of the you know Mark Gillespie really paved the way for us and. But he talked about everything. It's, you know, it's scotch, it's Japanese whiskey, it's just the whole whiskey category. And we just kind of narrowly focused on bourbon, which I guess thankfully we've seen the trajectory of where bourbon's gone over the past few years. And that's really catapulted and skyrocketed in regards of just everybody's just infatuated with it. And so it's great to have that. Yeah, we had a little bit of first mover. And then from there, I mean, you've been in this business for a while. You've got to figure out how do you pivot, how do you make interesting content, how do you figure out how do you bring on the right guests, the right people. We always look at stats. You look at stats for episodes, you see which ones perform well, which ones don't perform well, and you go, okay, well, we're not going to talk about this anymore. We're going to start moving and doing this. And, yeah, you just kind of have to look at the data and read it and figure out exactly yeah. how are you going to tailor it. This, this guy here spends a lot of time in bed at night looking at analytics. So I'm yeah. like, you got to go to bed. you got to go to bed. Yeah. you got to go to bed. It's, He's like, no, i got to see who's watching and where they're watching. Sometimes and analytics <laughs> is a bummer because, you know, you think you did this great podcast and it just does all right, and then you go out on a limb on something mm -hmm. and, and call it something maybe you shouldn't have called it or whatever and all of a sudden it's got triple the downloads it's just going crazy and you're just like why <laughs> you know, there's, you know what I mean? there's keywords there's things that you have to hit on yeah we've we've actually gone through and we've renamed every single podcast at the very beginning when we did a we did a whole i wouldn't say rebranding we had to re-platform a lot of our our episodes and so as a part of that because i remember like remember episode two was just called harlan wheatley and so instead of just being Harlan Wheatley, like we had to go, and we had to make something that was a little yeah, more catchy. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. What's tell them about your, you know, the one that is the biggest one? Is, is that's that's the that's we did Heaven's Door. You know, when Heaven's Door came out with that triple little 
375 milliliter with with uh, I was like, well, well, not just that, but that's what it is. What did you call the podcast? I, I call, well, I called it, um, well, Pandora picked it up because Heaven's Door, Bob Dylan's brand of, of, bur- uh, of, of whiskey in a... Well, in a, really and it was, name for it. Well, that was what it was. Heaven's Door, Bob Dylan's brand of whiskey. It was called, whis- uh, it was, uh, or something like that. What? Wasn't it called, like, Opening Heaven's Door or... Like it could have been something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get in. But, yeah. but, but, but I actually, I started out not liking a lot of rise because I'm not a fan of when you get into the rise that are like a, almost a vegetable, pickle, celery kind of thing. I, it, it's horrible to me. But I, but we we always say, you know, just because I don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't like it. You know, I don't mind making Bloody Marys with it. You just put that bourbon in and you don't even have to add the rest of the stuff half the time, right? You cover up a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I actually was drinking that one and I love the bourbon and the double Tennessee whiskey in there, but that rye came up and I, I think I called it old man's urine. <laughs> yeah. And now it's the most it's the largest podcast. He didn't think he knows he did and he knows all of them. Every time it seems like anytime I'm critical of something, even I love bourbon. I mean even bad bourbon I like. There's only better bourbons. And now most people can come up with a bourbon when I tell them that I'll give you a bourbon you don't like, but I, I, you know, but I, even we even get, get plenty of stuff shipped our way that we'll, oh, we never review because of that reason. Well, yeah, and that's that's what I, that's what I found that if it's not something that's you know you don't want to go out there and badmouth stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. You kind of talk to them and say, hey, this might be really young. And then send them on their way to make older whiskey, right? It's great for cocktails. Like that's that's the that's the go-to if people say it's not good. That's and why that's why they made diet coke. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, for like for us, we we never anticipated on being a review podcast. We didn't want to do that at all. But our our fan base and our listeners, they wanted us to start reviewing stuff, and brands were already sending us stuff because they all just want exposure at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, let's go ahead, let's figure out something unique. And the way that we did it is on Tuesday. That's our whiskey quickies, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Because yeah. The, you can go on YouTube and you go find plenty of 30-minute reviews on a particular whiskey. Yeah. You know when you taste something within the first five seconds, if you like it or not. Maybe even yep. a half second. Yeah. So we said, let's try to make this in a 60-second a review because beyond that, it's just fluff. We don't need any more. Right. That's yeah, so cool. That's what I enjoy about that. Yeah. It's just it's straight to the yeah. point. Straight yeah, to the point. Tiny, quick and easy. And well, yeah, a lot of people that don't have a lot of time. Yeah. That are usually 15 minutes long. Yeah, I do the 10 minute, but then there's the spot, the, the the sponsors and the end, and I mean, yeah. no, it's a whole thing. So, yeah, but I try and keep the review under 10 minutes. But same thing, I saw what you were doing. But what's been working for, for us lately is I've been doing Facebook Reels. And all of a sudden, those took off, yeah, and nine I. Seconds. I mean, so now, now I look at the world in a different way. I'm just like, how can I get this out in nine seconds? You know, so you do a little quick thing, and you. Well, you should be good at that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. He's waiting for. You know who he is, right? He's yeah. the guy that just keeps. I'm just, I'm just the picture. Don't throw high fastballs over the plate. Yeah, that was like right down the middle. I'm like going, man, that is a slow pitch. <laughs> so one, one more podcast question. You get so much whiskey, and you have, you know, you do, you do review it. 
but what do you, I mean, what's your collection like? I mean, it just, what do you do with this? <laughs> I mean, you just taste it. You can't drink it all, otherwise we'd be all dead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, we're well preserved. a bunch of stuff, but then also now we're buying tons of bourbon. Oh, so we've got our, our own stuff that's happened. But yeah, uh, the collection's grown. I've, I don't know, maybe a thousand or two thousand bottles that are somewhere in the round scattered around the house. It's, it's grown from the bar. Then there was too many, so now they're lined across the floor in the bar. And then I've got some massive shelves from Costco that are basically it's like seven or eight bottles deep and four bottles or four for height. And even that's not enough. So I'm just thankful that we're thankful in the position that we're in. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's cool to get to try everything. But yes, there's people come over. I'm like, hey, take take them a bottle. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. Like? what do you want? Yeah. What, yeah. 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 Do you want wearing this? a wedding ring. So how does the significant other feel about it? Yeah, you know, she, she stays <laughs> out of the basement as much as okay, she can. Yeah. She she every she goes every time I come down there, I just have a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> the anxiety of just having too much stuff right there. Yeah, we yeah. keep buying shelves, yeah. buying shelves, and he's filling the shelves. I said maybe we should stop buying shelves because the more shelves you buy because <laughs> you, you look at it and you're like oh, oh yeah this empty row yeah. Oh, and now yeah. we we I need can, a new I shelf totally after coming home today to this week how you how your collection has grown and bottles sitting all over the floor and i just got one oh, off beautiful. yeah Shelly and i've just built bottles. some shelves and got them all off the floor but i hadn't got my closets empty or yeah. the kitchen cabinets empty <laughs> that i <I'd laughs> yeah, emptied out my girlfriend's dishes and stuff and she got mad about yeah and so because that's what i was that's how i came into the group was i was the bottle finder and the whiskey finder and mm-hmm. sending up samples to him yeah, and all that and all yeah here try these yeah and all of a sudden here come bottles and sample bottles and all that and, here, and jeff's like oh my gosh you should see the sample even, bottles yeah so awesome that when he pours me samples of stuff you know, now i print the label so you know russell's 13 shows up with mini label you know, <laughs> that's really like, nice here yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm too lazy i just get a <laughs> wine marker yeah, yeah, that's how i started out with him but then they'd get smudged and he couldn't read well what is this Heck, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, so now, now we do. Now he had to do a blind tasting with it and figure it out. So that's why I started printing them out for Smart him. Yeah. yeah. Martin's got more sample bottles than a urologist. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So, scary. So I have to admit, early on, the little bit of news that I ever had about the industry came from you, because you always do what's happening during the week. So I always you talk about it i'd look a little bit more into some of it but once you know when i was podcasting at least once or twice you'd be talking about that like, hey that's a good thing so you're giving me ideas thank you well it's so we're here for sharing right yeah yeah that that actually came out of uh, i wouldn't say it was necessity but we looked at it as something that we could ex- you know, basically have a line extension of a podcast if you will so i so said we already have our tuesday whiskey quickies our thursdays is our main episodes that's where right. we bring on all the guests in the industry and kind of talk about what's happening uh, who's who of bourbon if you will but early on i was you know we all get the press releases you get stuff that are being sent to you because they all again they want more exposure and so i would read the bourbon news before the podcast started and as we started doing it i realized Jesus, like we're like 10 minutes worth of news even before the podcast starts and I was trimming out a bunch of stuff so I said and I pulled our, our audience on Patreon and I said what would be more interesting you think we should keep there or should we dedicate a whole show just to bourbon news every week and that's kind of what they said do a whole show so that's how This Week in Bourbon was born and we record that every single Wednesday and it's out on every single Friday morning and it's, it is it's just looking at press releases Anything that's interesting that pops on Facebook or any just news that kind of just comes in my feed, 
And if I find it interesting and it's somewhat bourbon related, then we'll talk about it. And that's sort of, it's been great because a lot of people in the industry actually listen to it because they're actually off doing their own day job. They've got yeah. to focus, yeah. on, they've yeah. got to focus on getting product out. They can't sit there and scroll the newsfeed every single day. So as they're doing their commute to work every morning, they'll put on This Week in Bourbon and just kind of see what the competition's up to. Yeah, wow, that's cool. definitely. Yeah. And, uh, just for, I just start getting press releases because uh, through here, uh, we met Tracy. Then Tracy invited, I mean, we went over to the Kentucky Owl, uh, yep. the, you know, which was pretty cool. And then, so she's been sending me press releases and I, that made me really excited. Like, oh, like we're kind you're, of- you're, you're getting in the yeah, circle. No, <laughs> I can have some information. <laughs> so that was kind of exciting. So Pursuit United, you started the brand and I mean, how does that happen? How do you go from a podcaster to, I mean, Basically, having a product in the marketplace and, and being in debt. Yeah, I can tell you about that. <laughs> so, this it all kind of started because back in, it was a little bit before, sometime in 2018, I guess we'll say, we had talked about a brand on the show. It was called Doc 52s. And this was a sourced whiskey that was going to be coming directly from a liquor store. So, it's a liquor store with their own house level, stuff like that. And we said, this is pretty cool, but this is anything new. I mean, if you go back and go back in the old days, grocery store change, pharmacies, they would have their own private label whiskey back then. Johnny Walker. I mean, so we, we <laughs> talked about that uh, for for a little bit and then didn't think anything of it. About a week and a half later, this guy calls me up. He goes, hey, talked about this brand. I built that. Would you be interested in starting your own brand? So, didn't really think about it, but tell me more. So he goes, well, I'm a barrel broker in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I'll give you kind of a, a really cool opportunity to be able to go and, you know, select some barrels and kind of what you want. And we said, all right, well, what do you have? What are you working on? He goes, well, um, I've got some, some MGP, some younger stuff there. I've got some young Kentucky stuff. He goes, but most of my stuff is uh, aged Tennessee bourbon. We're like, that, we're out. We don't want to do it. Like, we're not going down this path. And he goes, well, I'm going to be in Louisville in a few weeks. And I'll bring some barrel samples up. You can try them. If you don't like them, fine. We'll go our separate ways. But if so, then let me know. We can keep talking. So he comes. Uh, Ryan and I, we go out. We meet him at Hell or High Water. It's this cocktail bar in downtown Louisville. It's a kind of a speakeasy vibe. Gives us the samples, and we take them home. Then every next day, Ryan's already kind of giddy about it. I am, too, to try to figure out what's going on here. Because he was kind of giving a lay, lay the land of what they're doing. And by the way, they're now Blue Note is who is their brand they, yep. they create. Yeah. So anyway, we were kind of giddy about the whole opportunity of it, and knowing that we didn't really, we weren't exposed to much stuff of Tennessee and neighborly Dickel stuff. We weren't really exposed to it that much at that point. We just know that a lot of people said they didn't like it because of, you know, everybody has a preconceived notion of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, let's do this. Let's grab a bourbon we both agree that is really good, and if these beat, if, this, if any one of these beat it, we're to go all in with it. So we grabbed Henry McKenna Tenure, because that was the year that it just went bananas. Yeah. Fred made it like the whiskey of the world or whatever it was. And we said, if any of these beat Henry McKenna 10, then we get a go. So, of course, one of them we really enjoyed. And that was said, all right, let's go ahead and head down this path. So, as a part of that, we said, we'll go ahead and reserve us that barrel. And we'll come down to Memphis. And he gave us a pretty raw deal when it came down to it. So, the way the whiskey market, the source whiskey market works is that, you know, you say you want to start the, the Scotchy Bourbon Boys brand. Well, you need to go and talk to a barrel broker. And you say, hey, uh, I'm one. They'll, they'll say, what do they have in stock? And they'll say, you know, some Indiana stuff, some Kentucky stuff. You've got to figure out the age, and we'll say the price. Uh, we'll say the price uh, just for a ballpark is a four, four-year-old MGP for $3,000 a barrel. We'll just say that's about an average price right now, which prices have gone astronomical lately. So 
that could change. But we'll say it's, say it's that. And say, well, okay, well, $4,000 a barrel, or sorry, $3,000 a barrel. Um, I need 10 barrels to start my brand. You go ahead and start doing the math. Go ahead and write the check. Well, when that when those barrels come in, you, you can have an idea what they taste like. They'll send you a sample of it, but you don't get to individually taste every single one of these barrels. And we all know that bourbon barrels all taste a little unique. Mm-hmm. Nice mm-hmm. But you're stuck with whatever comes in. You also know that angel share also varies. So you could get 180 barrels, 180 bottles of that barrel, or you can get 80 bottles of that barrel. You're still paying $3,000 for that barrel, right? So it's a super risky way to kind of get into the business. But he gave us the opportunity to actually go, and he, he rolled out the first time we were there, I think 10 or 15 barrels, and we got to hand select every single barrel we wanted. And we left with, I think, three barrels that day. And we realized, like, oh shit, we're gonna get fifteen thousand dollars to buy all this stuff. <laughs> like that was a, that was the first thing. Uh, and then we were kind of a little bit in over our heads, but it was the same exact time that Blake was also starting Sealbox, and so we had to figure out exactly how this is gonna work because we couldn't go just the traditional market route of opening it up in one state and telling our national audience that hey, you gotta go here and buy it in the store. But Blake was really, we were his stress test when that first came out. So we started doing single barrels. And those single barrels were great. We had the opportunity, as years went on, we did it for about two years of actually going down to Memphis. And at that point, he would roll out around 40 or 60 barrels. And we'd taste through those around two days. And we'd start slapping stickers and everything we wanted. But we were very, almost too picky to a degree when we were doing it. Because we only kept around 10 to 15% of what was rolled out for us. Looking back, we passed on so many like 14 to 15 year old barrels that I'm just kicking myself because now you can't get them. It's yeah. impossible to get. But there, there was there was such good stuff, a lot of great oak character in that we were doing. But we did those single barrels, and those were pursuit series. We did those for a few years until our our guy that you know hooked us up with all this. He goes, listen, these single barrels are a pain in the ass. They're killing us. I was like, you all need to come out with some sort of bash, small, you know, some sort of blended product that we can kind of take out and it was like yeah you're right because we can't scale some of the barrels you can't really build a business nope. off of it it's just it's just too much they're done one and done yeah, yeah. and yeah it's like you get 180 bottles out of it how do you get that to five states you don't right you don't. you've got yeah. to you've got to figure out how do you scale and how do you grow this to be a sustainable business and the problem that we had is that when we were starting to figure out what do we want to start blending with there wasn't much on the open market you had some you had your MGPs you had some 12 year old Barton but we didn't want to be another MGP. There's plenty of people doing that already. Mm-hmm. The 12-year-old Barton, it was, I mean, phenomenal whiskey. But at the end of the day, is once you start getting that, your minimum dollar on the shelf has to be at least $100 a bottle, maybe closer to $150. You're making a lot better margin at $200. So we said, we're not going to be that brand either. We, we just can't do that. So we spent um, about a year in development trying to work and partner with different distilleries and figure out exactly how can we find the stuff. So. It actually all very pretty much started because our broker had some barrels from this other Tennessee distillery that wasn't Dickel, and they were about three and a half years old. And he goes, I think you guys should really try this. It's going to knock your socks off. And we're like, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> you're telling me some three and a half year old stuff from Tennessee is going to be that good. And so he sent us a sample, and I tell you what, we were like pretty blown away with it. And we said, this is something we can start with. But we didn't want to just go and get one product and put it in a bottle. We're like, we're a bunch of Kentucky boys. We're not going to start another brand on Tennessee bourbon. We need, right. we need something in here. So we had the Tennessee product and we really liked it. And we had already had a relationship with Finger Lakes distilling up in New York. We really liked their product too. So we started blending some of the Finger Lakes, the, the New York, Tennessee together. But we were like, God, we can't do this again. Like, coming out with a blend that says Tennessee and New York on it, like we're going to get laughed at. So we had to figure out what else is out there. So 
we started, you know, every once in a while you get a phone call and we had one from a bro- another broker and he goes, hey, I've got some, some Heaven Hill barrels if you're interested in them. I said, I said sure, oh, send us wow. a sample. Send us a sample, spent the weekend blending with it and we're like, all right, I think we have something here. Let's let's start with an order of like six barrels and that's what we can use to kind of like do our first sort of like test release with this. On Monday, we make the phone call. We're like, hey, can we start off with six barrels? And he goes, ah, sorry, guys, they're, they're all sold out. And we're like, God, like, this is pain in the ass. Like, we can't rely on the source. Right, right. Like, we've got to figure out how we're going to own our destiny here. And that's when we figured, well, let's start making phone calls directly to the sources and working with them. So we made a phone call because we needed a Kentucky opponent. So we called Barstown Bourbon Company. And we good said, call. yeah, yeah, so, yeah and, very good. And we got really lucky. I mean, they it was it was one of those a really refreshing thing because they rolled out the red carpet for us. They said, hey, here's about seven or eight different mashables we're working with. You can go ahead, take some samples, start playing with them, and that's where we started dialing in a few different things. And our first release was that Tennessee component with Barstown Bourbon Company as well as Finger Lakes Distilling, and that was a 2,000 bottle release. That was our very first pursuit united. And again, that united concept was something that as we were leaving Memphis one time, we just started just spitting off names of figuring out like what's gonna stick and we just liked the word because it just it meant something to us because it's not just one distillery it's not just MGP it's something that we can kind of create our own bespoke blend that's unique to us that can't be recreated by anybody else right so we have our own proprietary amounts that are going to the blend our proof everything like that is something that's unique to us that nobody else can replicate and now we're we're growing that so we're spending around 1.2 million every single year right now in new filled barrels between all of our partner distilleries to help grow this brand so and we did that plus we already bought the age inventory so when we made these phone calls we're like okay we need four year three year two year one year new make (laughs) we need need everything now so we can start scaling little by little every year Mm -hmm. and then in 2026 is the year we can really kind of blow the doors off because that's when our new make will kind of come online and we can can really bottle and go to more states than we're in now awesome that's the that's the that's the story that's great yeah Yeah. awesome congratulations that's 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 great you were asking but before you guys were getting into that ryan was right he was going out and you guys were going on barrel picks and and a lot of people wanted you know to be a, like you said, um, wanted to be a part of it. So Ryan really kind of got into that. If I, I mean, he was just going and doing, like you guys were doing a lot of barrel picks. He, some yeah, days yeah. he was just like testing through stuff. And then when you guys started doing this, he was really overall. On. Yeah, he yeah, he was. Now, now he's like buying beakers and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, well, that's that's yeah. for the Pursuit United Meth Lab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. 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 We, it's, we have an RV that we ride around with. You know, yeah, there you go. I've seen yeah. that's a successful business model. Yeah. It works out really well for people. So as a part of the podcast uh, that was Patreon, yeah, we had our own barrel picking club as a part of it. And that grew, and that only started because we picked one barrel, and all of a sudden people went crazy for it. And we said, all right, I think we should probably do more of these. And so we found a, a retail partner out of Southern California, and Keg and Bottle's been a great partner with us. And so he gave us all of his allocation and said, here, you, I said, we'll bring you the audience. You give us your barrel picks. And so it's been a great partnership that we've been doing now for over a few years. And as a part of that, yeah, we just get to go and we do about 50 barrel picks a year. Just say 50 barrels, which equivalents about like maybe 25 to 30 barrel picks. We'll get to go and select multiples when we do this. 
and we felt like we were getting pretty damn good at picking barrels. Yeah. And that was a, it was a really fun thing. We still do it to this day. It never gets old going to Four Roses or Wild Turkey or getting samples shipped to you and sitting there trying somebody else's whiskey and picking something out that's going to be unique to you. And then, yeah, so that was picking barrels. But then as we started getting to the blending side, that's when Ryan really went all in with it. Yeah. And the, the way that this, all, this whole United project started, a little bit before COVID happened. We had already kind of started down that path, but of course COVID gave us a lot of free time to go and figure out how are we gonna build this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we used to have blend offs between Ryan and I because we had all the components and we would try to, I mean, it's about a year in development just trying to figure out like what is the right components, what are the mash bills, what are the proof levels and so on and so forth. But Ryan, he kicked my ass every single time. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm tossing my hands up I'll just be the spreadsheets guy. I'll figure out the business aspect of it. You create the product. Yeah. And, and so that's, it's been a real big, like good yin and yang kind of relationship that we've had because, you know, we balance each other's strengths and weaknesses out really well when it comes to that. You know, he owns his own few businesses. So when I can, I can plan out our roadmap to 2030, but I can't do P and L's and balance sheet for the life of me. Right. So, he, yeah. but he knows how to do all that. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that, and, you know, I have a decent palate, so I keep his blends in check. So he'll come to me. Like even this week, he brought brought some two experiments and I was like we're not releasing that this tastes like shit so it's just like, <laughs> and it was like okay sounds good you know so it's, it's one of those things that we balance each other out as, as a part you know it's, it's interesting to me because if you had to pick a business to get into bourbon has to be one of the worst it's because very as, soon, it, yeah, as soon as you get like that brand new you know white dog sitting in a barrel I mean that, that's not a product you can sell for four five six and if that's you really true. want quality eight ten years so it's just so capital intensive. It is. How, it is. how does how does a couple of guys on a podcast overcome yeah. the capital? I mean, the capital investment is just massive. It is. If it you is. want to try and scale quickly, so that's why we can't scale quickly. So we don't have because <laughs> we don't have the money, and we haven't we haven't uh, taken distribution from the company yet. Every dollar that's been made through all of the single barrels that we've selected, and, or sorry, of the pursuit series that we've done over the past few years, every dollar has gone back into buying more product, more inventory, and trying to just keep growing it. Uh, so we had some money to buy some initial barrels, but when we actually started figuring out our right, new make costs and looking and saying, okay, well, we definitely don't have a million dollars. How do we go and do this? So we did uh, a few rounds of, of you know friends, family, and fools that wanted to invest in us. Uh, so we just do a straight loan with all of that. Nothing is, me and Ryan still own 100% of the business. And so everything is like a, a, just a, on a loan. And so we'll repay back that note in four and a half years when some of those barrels are dumped and bottled. And we can get the cash in to go ahead and, re- and pay off that debt. Uh, we've, recently, sorry, we've recently been able to uh, secure a $6 million line of credit uh, with a bank. And so now we're working with a, a local bank here in Bardstown to go ahead and start doing that. So we've successfully raised around $8 million so far and be able to, to be able to make this happen. That's, that's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's good. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think it's not because like we're good guys and they just wanted to do it. It's Barrels are great collateral. In a, they are. It's like, it's like the bank will do better if we fail because those yeah. barrels are worth more, more than, than us money. paying the interest back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, I'm just not another pretty face. I was a banker for 16 years. So as you're talking, I'm going, hmm, you're all collateral. Yeah. 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 But it, honestly, it took a while. And to it's been held by a third party, so it's not like you can steal it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm good for that. Because banks, they, I mean, they loan money on cows. 
you know, they blow money on, on horses and all other kind of stuff. It was like, you know, our barrel's not going to die because, you know, a coyote ate it in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah. It's not going to die because you gave it some bad antibiotics, right? It's a little bit more of a safer investment. To be mm-hmm. honest. It's just we had to. We had to. You need of, lightning to strike for it to be a you know, you, you don't, don't break that, ju- that juju on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that that like just listening to that, and then also as far as raising money. I mean, just think about it. You're raising money, and this is a product. Whereas before, you were the product talking and you could raise money. Yes. I just always am amazed at the, as the stuff goes across and people just keep donating to chat on to, with you guys on the live chats and everything. And well, you know, so it had to be something that you were familiar with and how to do. I mean, we're fortunate that we've had some, some good successes. Fortunate that we have a, a really awesome listener base and even super fortunate that we have people that pay us monthly as a part of Patreon just to help support the show. I mean, it, it goes a long way to you know the, the effort that it goes into just do this to do and this is the easy part recording is the easy yeah. part it's yeah. everything yeah, else that's out yeah. it's, it's, it's the logistics planning it's the post-processing it's the marketing it's making sure that people are listening to it like sitting down for 45 minutes and talking is the, it's, it's the simple part yeah, it's the everything part. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's everything else after that it's the grind and you've just got to get through that and there's burnout that comes along with it too and you've got to overcome that and it's just a, it's a process but you know as a part of transitioning from you know, a podcast into the bourbon side. You know, we're we're learning the hard way of how to how this business works, how to deal with distributors, how to you know make and market a product. And for us, it was great because we built the audience and then brought the brand and brought the product. But as we were kind of saying before, is like we've got to grow beyond. It. We've got to we've got to get into the minds of the people that don't listen to podcasts. We've got to get them to try the product. But what's really good is, like you said, you didn't want to be. Uh, Kentucky Owl Carter, they were doing the blending and everything, and then you're looking at these $300, $250, and watching your podcast and the people who watch you, there's a lot of times where you really think the juice is good, but the money you're paying was always, so when you said that, that kind of hit home with me, is that you wanted to produce a good product with a reasonable price. You didn't want to go into that range because they had been doing it and you already, you know, your base of people had listened to you. I mean, when you when you go to the liquor store and you go and you look at that glass case, how through those same bottles sitting there on the shelf, right? There yeah. is, there is right now, I feel that there is a fatigue, there's a fatigue and burnout that are happening from bourbon consumers and, and that's because you see the producers that are trying to come out with these crazy LTOs and try to get people that are trying to chase after it and you're gonna you're gonna get that sale one time, but you're not gonna get those people buying those bottles over and over and over. Yeah, not that many people who There's, can afford that over and over. And you know, one time, right. yeah. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, you've got. I mean, a lot of people out there with especially way the bigger way pockets this. than us that could probably do it. But even them, like they're they're trying to try different things. They're not gonna go and buy every single really. And don't be wrong, Kentucky Owl, Four Gate, they make fantastic products. But at that price point, like you have to have a very premium type of consumer. That is going to be able to, be able to purchase that. And we figured like we got to get a little more mass market out of it. And you don't yeah. get a lot. I don't think you get the repeat buyers. Nobody's going to go buy twenty-four bottles of Kentucky Owl. Yeah. And well, just, maybe unless you work for Kentucky Owl. Well, but, but, <laughs> but yeah. then, then you'll just take them off the loading dock. They gave but, us uh, two free ones. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you know, it, I mean, you're right. Price point. If you're going to try and get a, a product out to the masses, I think you got to be between. I, I, I do think that we are we as a as a collective a community have become desensitized to the fifty dollar bottle. 
fifty dollar yeah. bottle is the everyday bottle now. It's it's coming that way. Um, from what we've learned inside this industry and talking to a lot of people that are on the consulting side, they say forty dollars and less is your mass market, right? So that's how you get to the, the everyday consumer and stuff like that. But we knew that it would be really hard for us to make a decent margin at doing that, and we didn't. Like I said, we we tried. We looked at who was on the shelf next to us in their price points, and so we really compared ourselves to like Wilderness Trail. New riff, uh, and because they're all doing the same thing, they they've got four to five year old whiskey that they're putting out, and they've got a relatively close price point. So we said if we can kind of utilize that as a goalpost and try to meet that, I think that's where we can be successful. And so that's that's why we're trying to build the brand in that way. And thankfully, we got the podcast that can help be the marketing engine behind it as well. Well, yeah, and I. That's really kind of cool. Now, from my standpoint, people, you know, as you, when you were doing your podcast, you would go into all the places and just, they, you get this back room access that most, you know, this, when you walk in there, they show you everything. It's kind of like you get the extensive tour. You get to taste what they got on the side, you know, the taste this, taste this, before it's even bottled half the time. And it's, it's a great thing to do. And then you meet the people in the industry, and if you really wanted to go into it, they would offer that you could probably have been gone into the distilling, either one of you, if, you know, the, the opportunities present themselves, right? It's, it's one of those things that, Ryan and I, we both have careers outside of the podcast, and that's what I, hopefully everybody knows, like, this is not a full-time job for us. Not the yet. podcast, the bourbon brand, hopefully we'll get there. Uh, we still have our day jobs, yeah. which pays for healthcare and, and all things like yeah. that, too. Uh, and so we didn't want to start our careers over, and we didn't want to go and do that, because you know what's like, if you want to... If you're already making uh, a pretty good salary and you want to go try a different career, well, you got to start from the bottom. Like, yeah, we're yeah, not going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, and we're we're media, we're talking heads. Like, we're not going to go and be distillers. That's not our that's <laughs> not our job. We don't want to do that. So we we want to just figure out and find a, an angle for us that's going to be fun to be able to make that happen too. And that's what I that every time that I've thought of it, just a little bit, I I actually kind of I'm a plant manager at a recycling plant. Okay. So a lot of the stuff that happens in the industry happens in recycling. It's the same kind of thing machinery some of the machinery is exactly the same milling grain and grinding up plastic it's almost the exact same machine you know so yeah. it's like you see all the and then you also know they run into the same problems that i deal with every day you know when they're broke down you're not making discipline you know it's just the same so it was always something i was looking but i'm having so much fun meeting them all and then hanging out with hanging out with them that I just wouldn't want to just go to one place and have all the same problems I already have. Same yeah. <laughs> <laughs> transferring, transferring one problem to somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. For less money. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was a, a very informative. I mean, yeah. uh, for whatever little bit I didn't know, you filled it in there. I mean, Thank that's you. Okay, it's amazing. Yeah. So a great story. I appreciate it. Yes. I, that's right. I feel we have a very compelling story, something that's very unique because we do. I mean, we, and like you always speak to an enthusiast audience. You're not listening to a bourbon podcast because you're just like, oh, I'm Try just going to read the news. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Like you're listening to it. It's a to the Howard Stern show today. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, sometimes it gets like that. <laughs> and so we had to we had to create a product that we knew would appeal to them. We couldn't come out with some young grainy craft whiskey because we will get laughed at, right? We had oh. to we had to compete a product that would compete with the big guys, and that's really what we were striving for. Yeah, it has to be worthy of your name because you've been tasting for years. People rely on your palate. Yeah, and then and so we want to make sure we yeah we don't yeah. get disappointed. Yeah. I also like the fact that you did use some Tennessee and you did use other places because that's where the market's growing even bigger and bigger, right? It's like people are going outside of Kentucky, even though you love Kentucky whiskey, you're, you're a Kentucky whiskey podcast for the most part, right? But you spread out into bourbon, you know, bourbon a little bit, you know. But initially you're here, so you have all that access. But 
by bringing that in, it makes other people look at that. Like, you weren't sure when you were first doing it. Now everybody's kind of looking at outside of everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that was, like I said, we had these relationships already kind of pre-done before we started the United Project. And we've, yeah, we've tasted stuff from Woodenville. And I mean, there's just so many, just so much great bourbon that's created across the states that it kind of does a disservice to just say like, oh, it's, you know, Kentucky or nothing, right? So yeah. we want to make sure that we highlight a lot of these brands that are doing a lot of good stuff too that are just outside of Kentucky and being thankful that we can also include that as a part of our single barrel releases, as part of United as well. I think we can showcase that, you know, you don't have to just have uh, one mash bill and 20 warehouses that create 70 different labels, right? You can yeah. create something that's very unique to you, and we can do that through blending. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. That's cool that you use United in it. Yeah. And it, that you bring in everybody in, all yeah. the distilleries and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so love, much. For I mean, taking time out. Yeah. I mean, thank you for coming out of the podcast. I mean, yeah. it's almost like a, a dream come true. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. people yeah. are always we, watching we, you yeah, and whatever. He's talking about this and meeting them both. We've been waiting to talk to you and just get a chance. And well, he's not going to tell you, but he's got a "I Love Kenny Coleman" T-shirt. <laughs> we made him take it off today. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hang his closet next to his "I Love Rain" T-shirt. Yeah, I saw it hanging in there this morning. Didn't want to say anything. All right, but I'm going to say thank you all to you all too. I mean, this is a podcasting is not an easy thing. People think it's just a, a side gig. It's fun. It's a little hobby. But no, I mean, it's it, you got to treat it like a job, and you've got to make sure that you're persistent with it. And we kind of said earlier, this is the fun part, sitting down yeah. and talking. Yeah. Beyond that, it's it's a grind, and you got to keep with it. And so, you know, hats off to you all for continuing to do that and, and pushing out and making more content because there's plenty of stories out there to tell that we could never get to. So making sure that we have even other people that are out there finding more stories and uh, other angles of things to be able to talk about is what's going to help grow the category and help just grow bourbon in general. So appreciate what you all are doing today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So that does it. We're the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Check out uh, um, Bourbon Pursuit. And everybody knows where that is. It's uh, YouTube <laughs> on, on Main. You know, they're, they're everywhere. And uh, make sure that you go out. If you see a bottle of Pursuit United, pick that up. It's, yes, uh, we got to taste it while we're here. Delicious. You're yeah, doing absolutely. a good job. Yes. Right, thank you so much. Yeah. So Colorado, Georgia, Illinois. Uh, New Mexico, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas, and Kentucky. Plus online at sealbox.com. So all those different regions. Awesome. All right. Great. That takes us out. Let's have little Steve-O finish up. I just turned it off. Oh, I did. Okay, so I'm not the technical guy. Can you tell? There we go. (laughs) <laughs> oh, show me the way like to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar. I tell you we must die, I tell you we must die, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. 
So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts.